Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com You're listening to the Hunting Land Man podcast. This is Slade Priest, your host, the Hunting Land Man. Rack buck down here on opening day. If you're interested in rack bucks and real estate and everything that has to do with hunting property, this is the podcast for you. Well, here we go, the Hunting Land Man podcast. I think this is about episode 16-ish. New Ryan is not here. If you're watching, you can't. he's not behind the camera either. I, get, I got my buddy Barrett Van Cleve here. We're going to do the podcast without Ryan today. Ryan is, uh, it's Sunday afternoon. Uh, Barrett and I had a little time, and uh, we're going to do early season Mississippi bow hunting, and Barrett knows early season in Mississippi and has probably had as much success in early season Mississippi as anybody I know. Uh, before we get too far, the Hunt Land Man podcast, as always, is brought to you by Southern Ag Credit. They take real good care of us. Barrett's a fellow Realtree Land Pro. They've done some deals with him and his family. We've done some deals together, and uh, Southern Ag Credit takes really good care of us, whether you're using Austin Bean or Alex Riser or any of their great uh any of their great uh, loan pros, I guess you would, their loan officers or whatever they are, the guys you talk to to get your loan, they take really good care of you. So, hey, uh, if you're looking for a land loan or a loan to build a barn or anything on your place, a shop, a camp, Southern Ag Credit can do it. They take good care of you. All right, early season Mississippi. Let's tell you, introduce our guest here, Barrett Van Cleve. If you know much about Southwest Mississippi and hunting, you've probably heard Barrett's name. And I bet if you hadn't heard his name, you've seen this picture somewhere. Somebody showed you on their phone of this giant deer somebody killed. Barrett's killed, I don't know, 8, 10, over 150 in Mississippi with your bow? He knows. Yeah, he, he's probably, being modest. I think, I think it's 6 over one. 150, and then probably that number over 140, though. But yeah, man, but it's here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Well, what uh, we are, what's what's the date today? This is about to, uh, it's the 10th, I believe. Today is the yeah. 10th. Okay, so we're 10 days in the Mississippi bow season, uh, for our part of Mississippi. Um, it's it's been a it's been a difficult year thus far because of weather, and we'll go into that. And uh, we're going, I'm going to start going through this list of things. So, Barrett and I both. We like October as much as any time. Um, you know, we're not going to – I'm not kidding anybody that's listening to this podcast. I'm hunting over feeders. It's my preferred way of hunting in southwest Mississippi. If everybody didn't hunt over feeders and we could hunt early season peas or something like that, but here's the deal. If you're having a lot of success where we hunt, 
you're usually hunting over feed and we're worried about hogs and now bears and things like that so we're going to dive into this thing and i'm going to tell you if you if you don't like hunting over bait i mean hey it ain't just like you can pour out 50 pounds of corn and, and a big 150 inch deer 110 inch deer is coming it's right. a lot more to it than that and anybody that's listening that does it they know what i'm talking about and hey if you want to hunt all natural so be it that's the way i like to hunt all right preseason barrett we are october 10th now i want to bring you in Thank you for having us. Uh, I want you to start us out. It's sep- It's August 1st. Let's go back all the way to August 1st. What are you doing to get ready? Tell me Tell me a little bit about your procedure because I know you do it as good as anybody. Uh, usually about that, you know, 4th of July weekend, I guess, is when I would say I would I shut summer down and, and get real, you know, serious, kind of start putting the cameras out. Um, by the first part of August, I've kind of got an idea on, you know, my top two or three target deer, uh, kind of where they're at. Um, you know, with with the way my place is shaped, the main piece of property that I hunt. Uh, and, and so people who don't know, without getting too specific. I am, uh, I'm 15 miles southwest of Woodville. That's Wilkeson County, if anybody doesn't know. I'm not far from Louisiana. I'm, 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 I'm a long ways from a main, you know, public road. It's a, it's a, it's a good area. We've got some really good neighbors, and the problem with that, I, you know, I guess it's a, it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Is uh, they're feeding more than I am, mm-hmm. and uh, like this year, for instance, the price of this protein stuff. I mean, it, I was having a hard time keeping up <clears throat> with them. You know, I mean, you can you can look up and spend several thousand dollars, Quick. you know, just in in one. One and protein right now is five hundred dollars a pallet. So forty bag, forty bags of corn. I mean, forty bags of protein cost you basically five hundred dollars. Yeah, and that's filling up my troughs one time. Um, so I really got kind of focused in on a couple of spots and and really focused on them. And I didn't feed in some areas this year, and that could that could have potentially hurt me. Um, but uh, that's the main thing: trying to figure out, you know where everybody's at trying to figure out what deer is what from the year prior and the best way to do that for me is process of elimination like if you can if you can get the for sure deer you know whether the characteristic have you know carried on until this year um that's that's an easy way to figure it out like all right well that's this is him so who is this you know five or six year old deer that's in this area and you go back i save a lot of pictures probably a lot more than i should as a matter of fact i i kind of have an issue with sd cards i probably have 200 sd cards in my drawer in my office and uh sometimes i just stick one in there and uh it may be from three years ago and it's amazing to go back and look and you you'll you'll see a deer that you killed or maybe didn't kill that is a three-year-old or something and you kind of know what deer he was running with and it, it helps me figure out who's who and kind of, you know, and then, you know, a couple of years go by and they'll be doing the same things. You can go back and look at those pictures and, and use that for, you know, something you're doing today. Um, and I, I've actually seen that in Midwest too, Barrett, and I've, I've seen it on TV and stuff. I've seen it personally. Like deer are such creatures of habit. Like if you had a deer last year that showed up on November 1st in a certain area, and I know you, I know this answer this question, so I, I'll ask it to you, like, you could start feeding or start putting some cameras out in the area. You know where he showed up last year. Exactly. I thought it was going to happen this year, and I think it was just a weather issue. So we had the hurricane hit hit me hard, and I feel for these guys. And in Louisiana right now, I've seen pictures all the way up until this past weekend. Guys still cutting trees and roads out. I feel their pain. We got we got hit really hard last year by Delta. Um, it was that 15 miles west of Woodville made a big difference on that storm that came through uh, Calcasieu Parish down there. 
And uh, so I did that, you know, and had a deer show up right after that that hurricane. We just had a little bit better weather last year, though, and that, that storm had something to do with that. I feel like, you know, a front came through a couple of days after. But it looks like we've got one coming in this weekend. I wouldn't call it a good front, but it's definitely better than I'd what say we're good, doing. not great. Yeah. So just to, if anybody's not been watching the weather in southwest Mississippi, you know, we hadn't had a day where the high wasn't above. I think 80 is the, 80 is the best weather we had. Yeah which coincidentally is the day I killed. I was telling Barrett for a week, this is my day, this is my, it was, these are my two days, and I came on the second day. It was a high of 79, 80, ended up being 80 that day. But the thing about it is that wind switched out of the north, which in southwest Mississippi, we know that that humidity is not going to be there as a southeast or an east wind, that, that just balmy, you know, you're sweating before you ever get in the stand. It may be hot, but that north wind, change, you know, changes everything. So, um, as, as you heard, Barrett, you know, Barrett's picking these deer out. He's looking for deer from last year. And by August, okay, we're into August now. By your talking, we're into August. We figured out, okay, we found, uh, let's say, 135-inch, um, five-year-old, six-year-old buck that you knew, okay, I'm hunting him. All right, where you hit it from there? Um, at that point, you know, I may get a spin feeder going in that area. Um, and I'm, I'm somebody who's just listening is going to ask this: Are you a spin, a trough, or, or what's your what's your preferred? Um, what I really like to do is it's it's still against the rules is to throw it on the ground, you know. Right. Even if you've got a dry spot, um, but to be legal, which I do, um, a spin feeder to me will help a little bit as far as you know getting them kind of trained, so to speak, to move in daylight hours. If you put a spin feeder up. And you do the right things with that feeder, um, and don't don't shoot those over the top of it. You know, don't pressure it. Um, if you just kind of almost forget about it, you'll be amazed. Uh, you know, you, you, I've got one right now. I have not even checked since the twenty fifth of September. I hadn't even been in there since bow season started, and it's kind of like a you know ace in the hole type deal. Uh, but the more comfortable they come in there, too, man. It, it, it I've seen it just you know it's like. And some places are weird. That place I've got right up the road from here, I, I, to this day, I've had that place four years now. Those deer still, they just don't, they don't want anything to do with a spin feeder. So in a spot like that, I would suggest a trough. And you got, I tell you, the first thing I tell my clients whenever I sell my trike of land is, Slay, what kind of feeders do you like? Well, that's a loaded question. You know, because some places they'll walk up to a trough the first day. Some days, some places they'll walk up to a boss buck or a, a gravity type feeder, and some people they're, I mean, spin feeders are best because you can control it and it doesn't cost as much to feed, and you can get them on a timer. But every place is different. But what's good if it's if you're coming in blank is to find out what your neighbors are doing because yeah. they've already trained the deer. You know, you can train a deer to do anything. I mean, eat out of any type of feeder, but it takes time. And so to eliminate that time process. You know, if your neighbors are feeding out of trough feeders, go with trough feeders. If your neighbors are feeding out of boss bucks or gravity or, or you know, spin feeders, go with that. So that that eliminates that problem. But uh, go ahead. So you said you get a spin feeder going in that area, and then what? Uh, this year, you know, I'm, and I'm constantly trapping pigs or trying to, you know, shoot pigs with a thermal at night. And uh, I was blindsided, for, you know, lack of a better word. Uh, did not look like I had a pig issue. Um and it, that some of that was probably because of where the pic, the camera was on a tree on a, on a protein trough. Um, that was probably pigs coming up underneath it at night that I just wasn't picking up on the cameras. But I wasn't seeing that much sign. We were doing a lot of road work down there. 
Um, and that could have also had an impact on, on kind of where I'm at right now. But, uh, it was like, man, you know, week out, it was just, it was hog central everywhere. Uh, and then, you know, the gigantic, the, the big black raccoons that we deal with now, which are the Mississippi or Louisiana black bear, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother topic. And that goes into your feeder question. And we're still learning about that topic. Yeah. So, um, there was a particular feeder that I really liked as a, how far it threw it out, um, and the, the height of it and everything, was, it, and it wasn't real, real heavy. I could move it by myself. But now, with the bears, that feeder really probably isn't something I'll buy again because, you know, you need to go with something a lot, you know, heavier that that bear can't actually – I mean, I, I, he tore up – or one of the bears. Uh, I think I had five of six that I had to fix before uh, I, I got them going. I was real late getting them going this year. But uh, they'll just walk up to him and just rip the – no spinner right off the bottom. No, it actually somebody who's dealt with them more than you and I have is somebody who's dealt with bears a lot. It'd be a good podcast to do. You know, what are you doing? Yeah. To to uh, you know, I I know some clients that have some, and they're feeding um, uh, roasted soybeans and soybeans, and something about their stomachs they won't mess with them as much. So that may be a thing we we have to look into a little bit more. Well, um, so Barrett's talked about trying to get his deer trained to a spin feeder or something like that, figuring out his patterns. Uh, something, you know, you're, you're always like, you know, getting pictures, one and killing one's two different things. And I know Barrett's like this and I'm like this, like the spot I killed the other day. Um, and I'll get into that later in the podcast, but I picked out that tree before I set up that spot. I found the tree. I knew the deer was in the area. I found the tree, thought about wind situations, and then I set up the spot, and it ended up working out really good. So I know Barrett's done this. Barrett's got a couple trees he's cut a lot of deer out of. Uh, in fact, we'll, we'll get to that part of the podcast now. Um, Barrett, it's the exact same thing he's talking about. He had a deer, was it three years ago? Yeah. It was he, a he, last year, trained assassins. Yeah, it was 2018. So Barrett, that, and look, this stuff is a passion. Blair, Barrett and I are both blessed to hunt some really good places, and look, you know, we're talking from a perspective of people that hunt really good places. So you have to apply this to your situation, your neighbors, and your if you're hunting public land, of course, this all, we can learn from each other. You know, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. We're just going from our experience. But uh, Barrett, and I've done this too. I actually learned this from Barrett. So uh, Barrett had a big deer coming in. They had passed him for like two years. Barely. Barely. <laughs> I mean, he was a giant. Uh, what, 157? Uh, yeah, or 158, something like that. So, I mean, giant, and, and and looked boon, you know, just this the framey, brain, and he was just huge. Yeah. And so whenever we were looking at the pictures all summer, I said, Barrett, look, I don't have anything coming in uh, in the morning time especially. I said, I want to go film you shoot this deer, and he was hesitant, but we got him. Got him to, and Barrett, you know, the problem with early season hunting over feed or over food plot, you name it, is getting in there. Because yeah. the deer, at 4 a.m., they're usually in there. Spin feeder helps. But doesn't always, you know, sometimes they're just sitting around in the area or within 100 yards waiting. So Barrett started, I think it was like three or three or four weeks excuse me, before the season. Barrett would drive into this spot an hour before daylight, put a little feed in the protein feeder, kind of beat and bang around in his truck and pull on past this, on a, this field was on a main road back yeah. to his camp. And he was watching his trail cameras to see if it affected the buck. He didn't want to do this two days before to see if it affected him. And what he found was he had trained those deer. It didn't bother him. So what did Barrett and I do? Opening morning, we go in there. Uh, 
our buddy, we got on the tailgate in the back of the truck. We changed our clothes in the woods. We got on the back. We went in there, put a little protein feed in the uh, protein feeder, beat and banged around just as he did, crawled up with the truck still out in front of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget, we were sitting there on a 45 minutes before daylight. Yeah, it and, was a little bit earlier than that. And it was quiet, quiet, quiet. And the really the first thing that was said all morning, any significance was, I see him. And tell us what you thought when you said, I see him. I, whether we had so many good deer coming in there, I thought you were talking about a, a, a four-year-old that was about 20 inches wide that I figured me and you were going to fight in the tree over when I when I told you I wasn't going to shoot him. But uh, I couldn't believe it. You, 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 I had a red oak blocking me. Um, and I've since watched that video, and, and I – Anytime I sit in that tree, I can I can look over there and kind of see the first place I put eyes on him. But uh, oh, that deer read the script. I mean, that was it just- really was it. I mean, we're talking about twenty minutes max after legal shooting. Like I'm maybe fifteen, and yeah. we have arrowed a giant. So I seen Barry Terry come, and he comes in there feeding and takes his time. And you know, they were not we nervous. Had, we had two does or two does in a yearling coming from the opposite. Mm-hmm. To, to uh, the left, yeah, and so it was a. I mean, even even that was perfect. There was a. It took some distraction off of him. He let his guard down even more, looking at the does. Let us get in position. Um, you know everything. It could that that morning. It you know we really every year since then. I I I think back to just how perfect that hunt was and how blessed and fortunate we were to you know to to do that in Southwest Mississippi. Because it's not something that happens every year, especially and, not on no, open ha- happens never hardly. Yeah, I don't think I've ever killed a buck on opening morning in Mississippi. I'm usually an opening. I'm usually an afternoon guy because of that fact. Now, some of my places now that I live where I live, and I've set up, I've got three places, including the place I live on. I'm hunting. I think there will be more of that because you can go touch the spot a little right. more and do that sort of thing. But uh, you can always learn. Like these deer at my house now, they're used to me coming in and out. So you constantly learn and watch them. I mean, when we get done with this podcast in a minute, we'll be able to go out and possibly see one of my shooters out in front of us uh, tonight. And how that how the driving by thing came about was one particular Saturday morning, I had to bush hog on the other side of the place. And so I went down there an hour before daylight just so I wouldn't mess that up, but I kind of was like, "Ah, eh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna probably blow him out for a couple of days." But doesn't I mean I've got to get this you know these these fields on the other side clipped, and uh, lo and behold, he he came by there like it was nothing, and I said, "Well, let me try this in a truck," which I'm glad I didn't have to do that in a tractor for you know a week. But uh, that you know access in early season, man, that's huge. I mean, you see it all the time. You've got a deer coming in right at day. I mean, he may be standing there. Uh, at daylight but where has he been for the 30 minutes prior and if you're hunting on a feed source he's probably been within 100 yards of there and the worst thing you can do is just go in there haphazardly uh and so you know i try to set some stuff up on actual you know main roads on the place which and, would which would almost you would feel like would be opposite yeah you know absolutely and you and you hear a lot of this stuff on these on on some of these other podcasts and articles and things about these these wmas and public land and stuff and they're they're and tracking collars and on they're finding out just how close these deer lay into roads and a government mm-hmm. you know wma or something the deer so, are learning us yeah so uh and you know both of my neighbors to my to my north and my south it, with their spin feeders you know and one of them's got fences around them like it's 
you've almost, I would argue, maybe not so much on that deer in 18, but you that 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 hunt was crucial. That deer could have gone, you know, we didn't kill him that morning, and he doesn't show up that afternoon. I mean, he, the neighbor could kill him. Y'all remember this part of the podcast for when I get Barry to update us on his season. Y'all remember this part of the podcast. So, uh, but that's a lot of times in early season, you know, if I'm making a, if I'm making a morning hunt, it's, it's been thought out on a, on a big, you know, if I'm going to, you know, just go enjoy myself in the woods or something, you know, not necessarily, but the worst thing you can do is go in there and blow a deer out on October 1st or 2nd and really set yourself up. You're going to be, you know, behind the eight ball the rest of the first part of the October, uh, trying to, you know, figure out where he's, where he's gone. So, uh, to end that story, deer slips in there. 22 yards or something like that. Barrett smokes seen many runs, maybe 75. Actually hit a ladder stand when he was running. Him. Yeah, I was, I was afraid he had broken his rack off. And uh, killed a, one of Barrett's, you know, second biggest scoring deer he's got, but are, I would say the biggest deer he's got. You know, he, he, he if they all walked out, you'd shoot that one. But, uh, you know, going back to that, this, I didn't think about this while you were saying it until you said it, was that deer I killed the other day. So if um, – Which was a – Fine, as fine of an eight point as you can have around here for sure. Right. To just update everybody, you know, I've been waiting on the wind that we had, the north wind. I need a north northeast. Um, ended up didn't matter anyway. I, I'll walk y'all through that hunt. Well, so, so this deer is a deer that I actually wanted. Um, I wanted my landowner to kill. Now I wasn't gonna let him walk by. So it's a sp- spot where I hunt on a buddy of mine's place, and I always try to take real good care of him. Make sure when he comes, he has a big deer to hunt. I've never killed more than one buck on this place on purpose in a year, and it's a large place. Just trying to be respectful of that landowner. I shoot does and hogs and stuff after that, and and try to get him on one. And I usually end up killing the deer opening week. Well, I was hunting this deer I killed, which was a big, wide, nineteen-inch wide, eight point. I think he was seven. Uh, I've got at least I've got four years of pictures of him, which is pretty cool. I'm gonna put off the episode this week, and I'll sh- I'm gonna do the history of those those pictures. I think it's really cool in Southwest Mississippi to have the history. Four years of pictures of a deer like yeah. that, and so I, I put a mini of a a mini a pound of feed in this deer. But anyway, been watching this deer, and it was a big ten point. And this eight point, they didn't run together, but they ended up at the feeder at the same time a lot of times. Well, this is an area three miles from my house, so I go there a lot. And with the situation, knowing I did not go hunting the first, I think I killed him on the sixth. Um, I did, yeah, the sixth. I did not go hunting the first four days of the season. I hunted the fifth and sixth day. Well, I went in there more often than not beating and banging around, checking the camera one because my coverts weren't working down in that bottom. Two. I wanted activity. I wanted activity of the truck, which it doesn't bother those deer. I feed them a lot. The truck and the buggy, I go down there, I fill up the feeders. That does not bother them much. So every day, which was two days, we hunted that deer. New Ryan and I went, and I made sure that was the feeder was never 100% full. We could put a, put a bag of feed in, and we could get everything. Actually, we got all the mud off the as much rain we had that stunk around that feeder like wet feed and hogs and everything else so we made sure i told new ryan get all that on your lacrosse rubber boots i wanted it all on there and we had a north wind hunting just downwind in the feeder first day all the deer came in really early they got out of there and it was only two there there at dark and actually uh it's always a debate how do you get out of there perfectly um and actually i'd heard some coyotes in the distance and i just let out a yelp like a coyote and they just eased out no blowing nothing i was like okay we got out of here clean the deer as they did they did they weren't coming in the morning very much 
I mean, excuse me, they weren't coming in the afternoon very much. In the morning, they were there all morning, so I didn't, I was debating on doing what me and Barrett did, but I wasn't there yet. I wasn't to that point yet, because those were local deer. They weren't, if they were leaving there, they were going to another one of my feeders, so I felt comfortable to take my time on these deer. So we felt like on the 5th, we got out of there pretty clean. Uh, we climbed back in on the 6th. Uh, I, I knew I couldn't hunt them again until the 20th because I'm going to uh, Kansas and Missouri next week. I said, let's give them one more try because it's going to be two or three weeks before we hunt them anyway. Let's try them. Still a north wind. Had a little bit of east to it. Actually, once we got in the stand, had a lot of east to it. So, also... I used the uh, Backwoods products, and I had Crave. I spray at those feeders. It's strawberry flavor. I spray it at that feeder every time I go fill up any of those feeders. And so in that tree I had, you'll see it on the video. It actually comes in play because I got it hanging on a limb, and the deer walks behind it. It's pretty funny. I had it sprayed all in there. And New Ryan, um, you don't know this, Barrett, but he's not because he played football at Ole Miss and stuff, he, he spent so much time doing that. He didn't get to bow hunt near like we did. So, And I'm learning that as I'm hunting with him. And so uh, I'm teaching him all this stuff, and I'm telling him, look, Ryan, I, I put him through scent school. Oh, we go through scent school every day. Like, he yeah. got an instructor that he was going to show some property, had the hat on, he was hunting, and I said, oh, no. hold on. I said, you going to wear that hat tomorrow? This? Yeah, I'm going to wear it. I said, here, get you a different hat. We do, and you know, just scent school, stuff that, like, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not wearing that hat all day and then getting in a tree with That's going in the Oz system. We're not doing that. But anyway, so I told him, I said, listen, you're not going to beat these deers, these deer wind. The difference is the doe comes in downwind when the buck's coming in, and she doesn't blow. She just eases off. I said, that is a win. I said, you're not going to, somebody's going to know you're there unless the situation is perfect. I said, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to prevent chaos. And so anyway, we went through all that. We got that mud on us. I had Crave in the tree. Plus, we had scent free and all that. Uh, and uh, we get in the tree, and does and stuff are moving, moving around like crazy. And we're finally, that wind, for whatever reason, switched around, was hitting us out of the east. And uh, a little old four-point of all the deer come in there, and he just was acting boogery. And then he ran to our uh, south, which where the wind was supposed to be coming out of north would be blowing again. He got back there, and he blew twice, maybe three times, but not like a – it was kind of like it didn't really bother the deer that much. It was kind of like, are these deer acting crazy? Are they being goofy? Are they playing deer? And I'm like, all right, well, it's pretty much over. We got maybe 10 minutes of legal shooting light left, and which in camera light is barely. And uh, about that time we heard a deer blow behind him. I'm pretty sure it was our seven-year-old buck. Wow. Per, and which – which read into the scent school thing. But we had that mud. I mean, I could smell that mud on and that crave everywhere. And I looked down there and I said, Ryan, this is five minutes left of light. I said, Ryan, there's a different buck. That's shooter, that's shooter. Ryan also being a new cameraman, I'm nervous because he's trying to figure out how much do I move yeah. to risk not spook the deer, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, got the camera on the deer. I draw back. Cutover's lit behind me, can't see my pins good, can't get it on him, he's at 20 yards. He walks behind the crave bottle in the tree and and walks right there and I, which is usually, they just look up because it's a curiosity thing, but he did not. <laughs> Wheels around and I think he's like 27 right here and I'm going to be honest with you, I put all the pins right on him and I squeezed it. It was one of those deals I felt like I'm going to hit him. Good broadhead, B3 expandable, he ran over there. Got the dogs in there, found him that night. Ended up being one of the better deer I've killed uh, with my bow in southwest Mississippi. And just probably I'm as proud of that deer 
as any deer. I, if I go kill a 150-inch deer next week in Missouri, I won't be as proud because just the four years of history, yeah. you know, and, and watching that deer. Funny story behind this, my landowner who I hunt on, who I wanted to get this deer, actually clipped this deer. We tracked this deer last year. He wounded this deer, had him on him twice, and for whatever reason, he didn't get him. But um, uh, they actually left him the, the two best deer on the place, so hopefully I can get him on him. But uh, Barrett, I told my story of getting my deer. Uh, bring me up to speed on your, on your season so far. Uh, so opening afternoon, I shot two hogs. And what did we hunt? What, what did we find during all the preseason looking? Um, oh, a, uh, well, I had, an, I, had a, I had a couple of options. I didn't have anything just – I had no slam dunk. 2018, with me, when, what me and you did, that was a slam dunk. I mean, that was a, as guaranteed as you can have, I would say, going into it. But I had five, I think five shooters coming in. Um, they had all daylighted at least one time. Um, at the same spot? At the same spot. Some yeah, that's of, a pretty good spot. Some of them coming from the uh, south um, to a, a, a neighbor of mine and a, a real estate client of mine. Me and him are in constant communication, which that's huge, man, when it comes to managing and, and letting these, you know, we got a we got a four-year-old right now that's close to 150 inches, and you better be in communication. That's the one with the big split. Yeah, yeah that's a, a lot one. of points. Um but so, and then I had some deer coming for. So I had different, I had different options, and it wasn't a situation where the wind. I was real worried about you know blowing out one area. I mean, it was like even if the wind turned, I was in, the, I was in the game somewhere. But uh, just didn't didn't work out. Pigs uh, came in, and um, I shot two different uh, sows, two different groups, as a matter of fact. Uh, and then my buddy Parker was not too far from me. He also shot a sow. And uh, we skipped Saturday uh, to watch some football. Which, Alabama Ole Miss football. Yeah, that, you know, I, I, I probably should have got gone and got rained on for the second second day in a row and had more fun. Um, and it did. It flooded Friday. I mean, I and I can't. I want to say that's probably the first time I've ever been rained on opening weekend of both season. And this this is unreal how much rain we've had. I was wishing I'd been planted. And now that everybody's planted, you know, it's. Well, I haven't yet, but it's no rain in the forecast. Yeah, and I see we 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 hadn't planted either. We don't. We, the last few years, we've actually waited until the first part of November, other than a couple of small bow plots, which which I have I've had out for a while. But my big stuff, I wait on. But anyway, uh, so we skipped Sunday. Excuse me, we skipped Saturday. Went went back Sunday evening, and uh, Parker's group of pigs <clears throat> that he shot into, he only got one air off. Um, they came back through, and there was a 150-pound sow and probably six or seven, you know, 80-pounders. So I shot the lead sow, and it was five. I think it was 5.03 when I looked at my phone, and I was like, man, this is perfect. Like, the pigs are not in play anymore. You know, I'm fixing to enjoy myself. And uh, a lone boar came by 30 minutes later, and I shot him, and as I pulled off on the release, he turned a little bit, and I actually ear-holed him. <laughs> and... He he didn't kick, he didn't squeal, he didn't move. He was just dead. And um, I said, man, you got to be kidding me. But he was kind of on the side of the food plot. It wasn't that big of a deal. Did not shoot a lighted knock, you know, intentionally for that reason. Um, the other arrow was carried off by the hog, you know, kind of where I put to put it in order for it to do that in the, in the high in the front shoulder. Um, so... I said, well, you know, I don't really know what to do now. Like, I mean, this hunt, and I think it, at that point it was about 545. Well, then another group came in, a, a sow and four babies, 
and I shot her, and then the baby started, or the, you know, 15-pound pigs, started coming back, and at that point, I said, well, I may as well just shoot arrows that have nocturnals on them now, because this hunt's over with. So I missed, I tried to shish kebab three in one shot, and I missed. They were at like 33 yards, 15-pound, you know, pig. And uh, another one came back, and I, I killed it. So that was the that was four hogs in the same hunt that were, you know, confirmed kills. I heard the other ones, the other two crash, and obviously the one was laying in the field. And um, so now I've got two lighted knocks, though, on one side of the field, and a dead hog on the other side of the field, and I'm just I'm a, I'm literally getting my things together to get down, and uh, get this pig out of this food plot, <clears throat> and uh, I look up and saw a deer, and uh, it was one of my target bucks, full velvet, uh, probably got real close to 140, uh, and he wants he wants in there bad, and I'm like you got to be freaking kidding me, and I I feel like he would have gotten over the the dead hog laying there, but those nocturnals he looked like a runway. He just wasn't real sure about them, and uh, he was in range. I think he got to 35, just uneasy. I did not want to make an unethical shot, even even when he got broadsided at 35, 39, something like that. Um. He was so alert because of what was going on. There was just no sense. I've been doing this too long. There's no sense in in trying to make something happen. Um, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong shooting at a deer that's that alert. And it just, you know. Yeah, at, at 39, if he if he doesn't want you to hit him, if it's sounding like that's the scenario he is, he, he could, he, you may have to shoot under him to hit him. Yeah. So, um and I still don't change that that decision. I'm I, I'm 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 a little I'm, I'm hurting a little bit right now from that decision. But so the next hunt I made, um, uh, or the hunt after the next hunt I made, I actually shot another pig. The next hunt I made after that uh, was about an hour into the hunt, and a buddy of mine sent me a picture of that particular deer in the land in the the, the neighbor to the north, uh, a, a friend of the landowner to the north hands. He was holding a full velvet. And so I literally reached up and, and grabbed my Oz machine and moved it to the south side of the tree because I, you know, I was like, well, he's not coming in today. Yeah. And congrats to that guy, you know. I mean, that's just that's part of, uh, you know, you're hunting private land, but we, we laugh about it all the time. Uh, you know, it's like public. I mean, if when you and your neighbor are hunting the same deer, I mean, other than five other people that would be involved in it. Um, which I would argue would make him go nocturnal. You're 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 hunting a deer that's moving in the daylight. One of you is going to see him most of the time. And uh, congrats to him. I think his name's Casey. Uh, he was he's he getting him shoulder mounted. That's I mean that's awesome. And that that's better than you still hunting him. And I'm wondering yeah. what if. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And luckily, I, I don't have as good of a relationship with that guy to the north, but I do have some contacts to kind of everybody can get on the same page and figure out. But yeah, that's yeah that's. Think about that. So I had already made a morning hunt on that deer, um, and the morning that I actually went after him, uh, he was—I mean, he was dead. <laughs> and so, you know, it'll be real tough to get him. Yeah. So, uh, no, that, I mean, the other deer that were still in there, uh, I have seen them some. I left that place alone since that day. I didn't go. To, I hadn't been down there in, I guess, four days now, and I uh, did some other. Uh, did some work this past weekend on my one forty-three right up the road from here where we killed a good deer last year in November. Um, and that's, you know, I don't have anything great 
there as of today, but as much as so that deer was shot 0.92 miles from the trough that I was getting him at. So to, basically a mile to the north. Yeah, this time of year. This and how many other spots could he have walked to feed closer than that? Um, I'd say three or four. Yeah. And I don't have everything going that I normally do. That deer, uh, actually kind of gambled on a spot with that deer, thinking that I could I could maybe hold him a little bit better. And I learned that it doesn't matter. I mean, if he wants to go over there, he's going over there. And he didn't even kill the deer where I would have thought they would have killed the deer. He killed the deer even further to the north and saw seven bucks that afternoon. Um, and I think some of the other deer that he saw were some of my other shooters. And I'm not so sure that the bears that doesn't that's that's not a result of what's going on there. I feel like the deer are just in a giant herd right now. Uh, I saw 12 doe the other day, and then the very next afternoon I saw one. Um, and, you know, so you can kind of tell even if, like, if a bear has been through there, or say you have a hunt and, and deer acting like kind of skittishy where they shouldn't be, acting like they're pressured and they haven't been pressured, and you go back and pull a card or something in that spot, and you say, well, the bear came through here three hours ago. Um, and you know, they've been, they've been seeing them for a couple of years now, but I don't know they, I've heard that there's, there's 15 on that place to the North of me. Don't know if that's true or not. I've personally seen five different ones. Um, and you know, I say f- feed, no feed. I'm, I get pictures of the d- other bear in a spot that I didn't have feed all summer, a 360 camera that was in a food plot. Um, and he came through there, shoot once a week and there was nothing, there was nothing anywhere near there. So it's something that we're going to have to, you know, kind of educate ourselves on and, and figure out how, how to co- how to coincide with them. I mean, they're just another, you know, hog, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping, you know, in in areas that do have them a lot, which fortunately I don't have many around the house yet. Um, but, but definitely to the west and north, we have a whole lot more. Is you know, are we going to have a season? Personally, I think in Southwest Mississippi we've got timber and deer. And the bear don't belong, it doesn't help either one of them, so I'm not a huge fan. Uh, and if we start having a season, that would be, you know, something cool. I don't think, you know, it's still never going to trump deer turkey, so, you know, what are we even talking about? My buddy took a video of the one that he saw uh, Sunday last And I Sunday. saw one in Concordia Parish this week, too. Yeah, Sunday afternoon. And it was, when he texted me and he said, "I'm, I'm the bear just came through here or whatever, I thought it, I, had, I had had one on camera a lot that was sleeping in one of my troughs <laughs> like it was a bunk bed. Uh, literally, he was spending 12 hours a day in that trough. And um, I kind of thought that was the bear. And you're talking about like a, maybe 75 pound. I mean, he was small, cub. I don't know where mama was. And I think, the, or maybe this was mama. The bear that he saw was 250 easy. And I was like, man, that's not the that's not the bear that, you know, I thought you were talking about. He was like, I thought he looked bigger than that, and the video is incredible. I mean, he's he's beautiful coming through there, but, you know, just not something you want to see sitting right. in a lock-on in southwest Mississippi deer hunting. No, that's what we want to see if, you, if you're going out elk hunting or something like that. Well, uh, you've taken us through your season uh, thus far. What's your predictions for the rest of the season? I feel really good about this coming weekend. Uh, I haven't even gone – I haven't even thought about uh, climbing up in a spot where a deer that's seven years old, I got a, like the deer, big deer you killed the other day. I've got a lot of history with him. Um, I don't have a lot of real estate to, to you know, play offense, so to speak, with him. Um, he's got a piece of property that I feel like that he sleeps on. Um, 
and then he goes on to a real estate client of mine, my neighbor to the to the south. He goes on a couple of spots he's got, and but I think he spends a lot of time on that other track. And uh, so there's, I mean, I'm kind of maxed out on you know trying to hunt him in his bed or something like that. Get a little bit more traditional. There's just not a whole lot of real estate to, to play with him. I Has made he a, came to that new spot at all? No, I was about to say that. So I put a three. We made a food plot. Uh, I guess around. 15th of September, which is a little late, but I was doing some dirt work, had a guy sitting there. Uh, made about an acre-and-a-half, two-acre plot, and uh, real excited about it. It's plant, It's been planted. Planted it the day after we, we the dozer left out of there. He de-stumped it and everything for me. And um, I got a 360 camera in there, and there's deer in there every day. No feed. That's a spot I will not put feed in. And uh, I'm just trying to get a picture of him, you know, something different. Um just and it, it hunts with a totally different wind than the other spot that I've got, which is also planted. And I'm gonna have to go top seed that stuff before rain because I mean they have eaten it. I can't believe how how you know just mowed it down. And a lot because a lot of times in, around here, man, with, especially right now when you've got these water oaks dropping, um, if you plant, excuse me, if you plant your plots early, I've seen which I hunt in a you know in a, a lot of hardwood timber primarily is the stand that I'm, that I'm full with. Uh, I'll see that stuff get tall. And then you go into November and it's getting taller. Well, then when they really need the grass, it's tough. Um, but that hadn't been the case from what I've seen right now. They're, I mean, they're smoking it, which is a lot of early, it's a lot of early season stuff. It's got a lot of rape and stuff in it. But uh, we've been planting in November the last couple of years because it's a guaranteed rain. Don't have to worry about armyworms, which have been horrible this year. And uh, so I got, I got to get to doing that. Normally I've killed a deer and so... You know, I've actually planted food plots before tagged out. Yeah, I, I, you know, nobody wants to, to poke the bear, uh, but um, no pun intended, but bear is usually on tag number two or three by now. Uh, so he's in a little different territory. Yeah, I'm, I'm planting plots this year. I, don't, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm having some high anxiety beating and banging around. You know, normally I'm playing with house money by now. But uh, I, it, I, it, you know. It makes me that much more appreciative of the success that I've had in early season in the past years, and you know, try to find something and learn from it. You know, where did I go wrong? Maybe, maybe I could have done something a little bit different in the off season. Kind of got maybe I was going through the motions uh, and didn't. He started playing too much golf. I, yeah, I did. I did start playing a little golf this summer. Uh, but heck, it you know it was so rough we couldn't fish. I went fishing one time offshore, and uh, and it was raining. I said, man. I guess I'm gonna play golf. Well, um, so we've taken some, we've really hit some really good topics. And look, you can Barrett and I talk about this stuff daily. You know, just different things and different. You know, we trying constantly. You know, like I'm one of these guys. You know, okay, I'm getting pictures of him, but he's not coming in daylight. Okay, can I try a different feed? Maybe I put a little bit of feed so it runs out when he gets there and it changes his mindset. Which man, all this stuff particular deer and make like i'm serious a heart attack so if you like for instance let's say you're in a spin feeder situation and you're putting out may say 15 seconds you got a lot of deer coming to the spot well baron and i and it, we've done it in troughs and stuff like that well maybe you put out less feed so he gets there and he only gets two or three bites and he says uh-oh i better get there sooner and all this stuff now we may be in our crazy wild heads but all this stuff comes into play you know you watch like jury i love 13 for hunting in the midwest and stuff like that you could almost do the same thing here or anywhere where you feed because there's so many different topics and and, and so but we're doing a lot of the same things up there like barrett and i like i would say of the people 
in southwest Mississippi who are watching what I mean this time of year I can tell you oh yeah it's going to rain this day and the winds will be there. I mean I can tell you almost every day and usually I try to pick um you know we're so busy with real estate I try to pick okay I'm gonna hunt these two afternoons and I you know they, those afternoons will be picked a week ahead of time because I see the weather I see the wind the deer that spot may get treated different. I may put a little more truck activity because I know I'm going to be in there or more, the more crave or something like that. You know, there's, there's things you can do and Hey, you know, Blake Duvall, you say it all the time when it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's and right. I, and I believe that too, because, uh, the other afternoon that deer ended up coming in, uh, straight downwind and it was just meant to be, uh, sometimes it's not like that. And sometimes it is. Um, so I'm going to go through a scenario that probably happens more often than not uh, with friends of ours, clients of ours, and people listening to this podcast. All right, I know the answer to this, and we'll let Barrett uh, go through this because I see this constantly. So we're looking, okay, clients of mine, let's say they're sending me pictures or friends of mine or people on Facebook. They're getting pictures of really good shooter deer all early September. What happens within 10 days of bow season? That velvet's either about to come off or coming off, and they disappear for a couple days, or something triggers in their brain. Something happens right around. I always said if if we had a September the 15th buck only, it would change the game because those last two weeks, it really does change what they do. All right, so all of us getting those pictures, and what do most hunters do because they're all excited? Oh, the wind's right from my spot, right or wrong, opening day. I'm going to hunt this deer. When the deer's not coming in until 15 minutes after dark or 2 a.m. Barrett, how bad a move is that? That's a really bad move. As bad as it gets. Uh, yeah. Um, because, I mean. You're gambling. Yeah. I mean, if he's standing there. I mean, and I'm not saying he couldn't show that, you know, if it, like what you just said, if it's meant to be. I have seen that happen before, you know, just get lucky. Uh, but a lot of times, if he's coming in there at 2 a.m., well, he's not sleeping anywhere near there. Um and it's really unlikely that he's going to come in there, you know, in, in legal shooting time. And you're just blowing, you know, just – and it's hard, I know, but you got to leave that spot alone. That's like the spot I just got done talking about. I, not only have I not seen a deer in there in the daytime, I haven't seen him since the 24th of uh, September. And um, the, deer you're, the, the deer you're about to start hunting. Yeah, the deer I'm about to start fooling with. And if he comes in Thursday – uh, at nine o'clock, that's not going to change anything, uh, unless you know this front is is as advertised. You know, I I may would try them at that point, but I I probably wouldn't try them before daylight. It you know it'd be a situation where I could get down, uh, whether that be be picked up by a buddy with a vehicle because that spot is also on the main road, um, or climb down and be back to my truck before he ever even shows up. He would never even know I was there. So what Barrett's hinting on, he hadn't said the words, but I want to make sure y'all are picking up on this, is Barrett's trying to predict daylight movement, precisely what I did the other day. Um, And I've, you know, you always pat yourself on the back. I remember one deer that had never daylighted, and the only day I'd ever seen him daylight, I actually predicted it in the snow, the deer, I called Biggie Smalls at Dixon Creek a couple years ago. With a cameraman, I shoot the deer. I was trying to self-film. But anyway, so what you're doing is you're watching that deer. And let's say he's a deer, like I got one I'm hunting, I'm potentially hunting right now, that's 15 to 30 minutes after dark type of deer. So I'm not going to be here, but if I was going to be here for that cold front, if he continued to do that and I saw a 10-degree temperature change, 10 or 15-degree, 
you know, low, uh, lower than that would be a time we would risk it for the biscuit, as Randy Birdsong says, and we would try to predict a daylight movement activity. You know, if all things remain equal, we're just watching that camera. But when that temperature drops, you know, you got to try him. You can't kill him if you're not there. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll wait. I'll let him come in there in daytime one time and then and then go kind of go from there. But what you just said, you know, if, he, if he's got a daylight that first time, you know, if you're sitting there, you don't, you don't need another picture of him. You don't need, you know, you don't need a picture of him that day. Um, so the, this front, I'm hoping, I mean, will kind of be somewhat compared to what we've had. I mean, we had the front, that we, you know, it was just before the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt great. What was it? Three weeks ago, um, and 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 we had really good pictures then too. A lot mm-hmm. of false inventory. What you mean? You talked about. Um, I had a lot of shooters on day like that those couple of days. But uh, excited about this front. Uh, I've already looked out. I think Halloween weekend is also probably that's the first time I think I've seen it in the forties. Um, and you know, hopefully by then I've got plots planted and I'm not having to worry about that and can kind of be mobile to go get on one. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm sitting back. I hadn't I hadn't panicked or anything. I've just been, you know, watching cameras and and uh, just being very selective. Sound like you've gotten a lot of practice with your bow with all yeah. your live targets. Yeah, seven, uh, seven for eight. Uh, Parker was shooting the other day on the ground at the camp, and I, I said, and, I, and actually I'd left my bow in a tree, so I couldn't have shot anyways. But I said, you know, I, I don't think I'm gonna shoot off the ground, man. Like I, I mean, I've shot seven uh, animals. You know, out of this lock on. Uh, so yeah, a lot of practice. Go, went through a lot of errors. Un- unfortunately, I found out the hard way. Uh, sat, what was that Friday? The air I shoot has been discontinued. They've 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 still got it, but it, they've they've done some weight forward technology, and it's ten grams heavier. And uh, so I'm just gonna have to make do with what I got uh, before I completely. You know, I don't want to change my setup in the middle of the season. But uh, yeah, I've shot shot a lot of eras uh and you know that helps with the pigs and all i don't think i'll see these pigs for a while you know the few that are still left so um barrett something you said earlier and and a lot of people that are listening to this are clients or eyes or people that don't get you know don't aren't self-employed like us and they only get you know they're controlled by the work so they only get saturday and sunday or friday saturday sunday hunt or a holiday like tomorrow maybe they're you know they work for a government or something like that and they they uh they only get fr- friday saturday sunday okay so they're a little different scenario. Maybe they have to risk it for a biscuit a little more, which which I get it. Um, I always try to, and I know Barrett does too, in a scenario like that, all these things still come into play. We're talking about, I think you need to have random stands. Yeah, absolutely. Stands you can show, go shoot does, shoot hogs. Maybe they're not feed stands. Maybe they're on a feed tree or a trail you've had success with in the past. And places where you're not going to really booger a thing up. You Maybe you just can't get lucky. And if nothing else, you can go sit and listen to the woods wake up and have a good, enjoyable hunt, which is why most people are coming to the camp on the weekend anyway. Yeah. Um, I love those spots. And you'd be surprised, you know, when you get back to the basics, I mean, hey, man, if the neighbors around me didn't feed, it would. I would love nothing more than to go hunt a trail every other day. I mean, that's just that's, – that's how – it reminds me when I was, you know, little before trail cameras, going in there. I, and I still do that in some spots. You know, it is so fun to go to a spot and have no idea what could come through there, which when you run as many cameras as we do in a place, we kind of – we, we're very seldomly surprised. Uh, but it's still exciting maybe to see a deer in an area that you had no idea he was in there. But, uh, but yeah, you can have low-impact stands. Um, 
you know, and, and the, the key thing too is getting out of there, man. Like if you know, if you've got, I touched on this on the podcast minutes. before. You, I want you, I want you to give your take on the get how getting out is as important as getting in. So, for one, the other day, uh, that Sunday when I when when my target buck came in there, I was almost to the point. I, I said I was kind of getting my things together. If I can't see that deer come in there and really appreciate what he is and get it, you know, look, put my binoculars on him and glass him and watch him do his thing. I don't want to shoot a blob. Uh, you know, even the last five minutes of, you know, legal shooting light. Sometimes there's just, in, if you're in an area with some, you know, in a heavy canopy, I mean, it's dark. And, um, I personally, for me, when it comes to getting down is I, I, I can just almost feel it, man. And if I know it's not going to happen and maybe I've had some does that have kind of fed off, they've gotten, 100 200 yards away and i have a small window uh even if i hear something 100 yards you know possibly coming crossing a creek or something if i can get down i'm getting down maybe that's 10 minutes before legal shooting light but if i can get out of there without blowing the woods out well it's like i never made that hunt other than whatever ground scent i've left in there um which if you're hunting over feed is not as you know, because we're in there with it. Yeah, they smell it when we, right. when we when we go in there. But uh, yeah, and then as far as you know, deer in the field, uh, I tr- I try to hunt. You know, the like with a buddy system type thing. We kind of have a, a little deal like who's ever going to screw up the le- the the least. Um, maybe that be take a water bottle and cr- crunkle it around. You know, make some racket with it, or take your pull up rope and tie something on it. But you know, one of whoever I'm with, I say, look, if you if you can spook two does off, and I've got a, a buck or two in the food pot or something, you know, you get down, and then they'll come run through there with a pickup truck. Um, even if you're in a spot that's not around the road, I mean, bumping a deer with a truck is a lot worse than than bumping them. You know, when they, a lot better when they for sure know that you're a human. Uh, so, and that this all goes back to a podcast we talked about setting up your hunting property. So. You know, we're talking about bow hunting, of course. At rifle hunting, this comes into play and can be done so much easier because you're usually, you know, 50 to 200 yards away from the deer. You know, if you can set up your ladder stand or your or your box stand where you can ease in and out that spot without spooking the deer, the spot's fresh every day. A lot of these things don't come into play when you can ease in a stand and ease out without deer. You come into play. If the wind's right, you can hunt it every day if you're not hurting anything. So, 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 and, and I'm getting to where now, like this year, I've got a couple spots where I've got, uh, I got ladder stands and I've got bow hunting box blinds that I've planted some shield from backwoods attraction at Sudan grass and Egyptian wheat that I can ease in and out without ever spooking a deer. And so then it becomes a mathematical equation. So let me break this down. You know that all things remaining equal, this deer daylights once every three to five days. All right, so you're rifle hunting like a lot of our people listening, and you're easing in and out that stand, and the wind's right. Well, guess what? If you sit it five days, and you just told me he daylights every three to five days with decent weather, well, if you get in and out there without spooking, if you hunt five days, guess what? Dead deer. Yeah. So you can create those scenarios, and just like Barrett with, I know the two spots where he's already hunted this year, and he's gonna hunt. You know, you can he can bump those deer with the truck, and it has little effect. Now, I'm not saying that if you. You bump them right at that last five minutes. I, Barrett knows this, but like bumping a deer after he's had 10, 15 minutes to feed and, and bumping a deer as he's coming to feed is two different things. Yeah. Because he came in, everything's good. Oh, there's a truck. As opposed to 
as I'm going somewhere, there's a truck, there's a car. Oh, I don't know about that spot. He already came there and said everything was okay. That truck was a foreign object. So it, it, Sometimes it pays to hang out, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this time of the year with the, before the time changes, it's tough. Like, you get home at 930 at night, I mean, because, you, you know, by the time you climb out of the tree, you may have sat there till you know, 8 o'clock. Uh, and I like it to be good. If I do get trapped up there, I want it good and dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've gone as far as to kind of crawling out of there, you know, to, to where if they do see me, that they they're not a hundred percent sure what I am. I've even I've got a hog app on my phone that makes hog squeals. I've actually even gone to the point and knew I could get in that situation. I've thought about putting my Fox Pro or my Game Call fifty yards away out in the woods and play hog sounds or coyote sounds, just like. And and if you love it, and I know a lot of our listeners do, if you love it like we love it, it's that important. It really is. It's that important because it's most hunters do all the big things right. Oh, we take care of our scent control. Now you need to be a scent Nazi if you really want to affect. You can't be casual with your scent control. And look, and there's a lot of people out there that disprove that. Here's my thought on it: if it makes me at ease. And it makes my confidence as high as possible. If you that, look good, you play good. It's, it's exactly right. It, if if that makes me hunt better, so to speak, I'm going to continue to do it. And it is frustrating, but you'll never see me walking binds or be quick or wherever. Any you know, a camouflage t-shirt or something. I've been dove hunting, and that and that that's or or that's a wear around shirt. And that shirt, I'll probably never you know even see one of my scent boxes. Uh, and go back to what you said a second ago about the four day in a row deal. Last year, the deer I killed uh, on this 143 right up the road, that was four sit, four consecutive sits in a row. Killed him on the last one. Which How are you getting out of there? Out the back door. That's access. So I had, I was about 120 yards from a blacktop road, which is actually kind of temp- temporarily, you know, local traffic on it. The bridge is out, uh, which helped a lot too because it wasn't, it was, it was the, all the great things about a blacktop road minus the traffic. But, uh, yeah, I could slip out the back door uh, and actually thought the deer was coming from behind me. And my wind was blowing out into that 10-acre food plot. And for whatever reason, that day he came from downwind. But uh, it had just done that. So my wind was right those first three days. Uh, But I I sat on that spot on that field the fourth day, killed that deer. Um, so, you know, and, and we're it, talking about, uh, what a five or six year old with 145 inch. Yeah, deer. he was, yeah, he's mid forties. Um, but every day that I got down, I ne- I may have gotten seen and they may have run a hundred yards out in the middle of that food plot, but I never got blown out. And you're talking about, I think I, I still got, look at that journal the other day. I try to write all this stuff down. I think I had 23 in the field. One of those hunts now, you know, 20 of those were does and some of them were really intelligent. Um, but you you just pick you know pick your battles almost with some of that stuff. I mean, you just gotta kind of read the woods, know what you can and can't get away with. Sometimes, man, it's like they don't even care when you get down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other times, it's that's that's not the case. It, it's funny that you said that when I killed that buck this week, nocturnals and, and lighted knocks deer usually booger. After I shot that buck, that big green nocturnal sitting there. Two deer walked within three feet of it. Never acknowledged it was there. It was the weirdest thing. It was one of those afternoons, and you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Where once it got dark, it was like, like, oh, we don't care if you make noise or whatever. And whatever reason they were like that that afternoon. But you know, we just got on scent. I know Barrett's a scent Nazi, and I'm a scent Nazi too. And it's like, like if you see me 
walk-in binds or stuff with my camo or something like that, you can guarantee you that stuff's getting washed, ozed. I mean, it's going. It, it's not even an option. I'm not going hunting. And and maybe it is a mind thing, but dude, I've seen it too many times. And Barrett and I both have. Like the difference is whipping that one old doe that came down with, or that one buck, or or maybe he gets. I remember one day in specifically, I was hunting right down here, same place I killed this deer, and I remember my cameraman's good hunter, he's a darn good hunter, and I didn't notice it till this happened. We were hunting a big old five or six year old six point. And the deer was coming in right here, and our wind was just flirting him. It wasn't going to him, but it was enough that he picked up on it at 20 yards. And I couldn't shoot him until they came right right here towards the pond. And he was coming right there, and I, and I was watching him. I thought, oh, yeah, we're going to beat that sucker's wind. And he got our wind right there, and he, he, he got out of there like, like in a hurry, not even blowing, just got out of there fast. The rest of the deer stayed. And I said, what happened, man? I knew I did everything right. And I looked, and he had on a Primos hat. And I remember, I said, hey, did you have on that hat last night when we were eating chili at the house? He said, yeah. And I <laughs> I lost it a little bit. Right or wrong, maybe that wasn't it. But this is what I, we can't predict. I mean, we can't tell when they're going to move and, and what they're going to do. And we can't change the weather. We can change how prepared we are with our equipment, our scent, and all that stuff. So all those variables, Make sure they're good. Maybe it makes us hunt better because we're more. But but I believe if you find a good bow hunter, especially in Southwest Mississippi, around if you find a good bow hunter who has a lot of success, and success is not hundred fifty deer. Success is, you know, depending on where you hunt and what you. I know a guy who's killed over a hundred rack bucks in the Homer National Forest with his bow. He's a darn good hunter, and he's a scent Nazi. If you find a good hunter around here, they're going to be a scent Nazi because our wind. This time of year, when a lot of bucks are killed, it's never true. No, and you're th- you know I watch the, the thermals and all, and it's it's it set some spots up for you know with the thermal keeping thermals in mind. You know whether it be on a, with a pond behind me or something like that. I mean, it's just it's the, I look at the wind still. I mean, mainly from an access standpoint, it's before I get in the tree. Um, but it's yeah. It's although the last that when you killed that deer, and I know you said it changed out of the east a little bit on you. Where I was in particular, I had a pretty steady north wind. Well, that day, as opposed to the normal two to four, we had like a five to seven predict, and that stuff it was perfect. It was perfect because I was smelling that feed. It was it was blowing straight out of the north, and all. And the only reason I knew it was blowing out of the east is that deer. I he came in there, and I'm watching him. You know, I'm watching him, and he's everything's like, and he. And I knew. I said, "Well, yeah, he didn't. He didn't see nothing. He's smelling." And I watched him, watched him. Then he went to the real downwind side to the north, and that's when he blew. But you know, that's the difference: is whipping that one deer and doing all those things right. Your access. If you find a good hunter who's killing a lot of deer, of course he's doing all these big things, but he's doing a lot of little things, and the little things add up. I mean, it's no different than business and sports or whatever like that. All the little things add up to a kill. You know, um. It's just, uh, it's so fun because even like as good as Hunter as Barrett is and a good place as he's hunt, right now he's having a little trouble. So yeah. if you never, you never like, you just like turkeys, you think you got them figured out? Yeah, right. They will show you something. Yep. Um, and, you know, back to that north wind too. I thought about that just a second ago. I'm not so sure that didn't have something to do with why that deer <clears throat> was shot where he was shot um, with seven or six other bucks with him. 
because I had texted Parker that afternoon and I said, you know, I don't know that he's kind of come in here with his wind at his back for for that that amount of distance. That's a good point. And uh, and I, I, I and by the time I was starting to think that, I think he was <laughs> he was already dead. But uh, that, that that thought crossed my mind because we don't ever really have that this time of the year. You know, a, a, a sure enough consistent win. I would say it was at least two days. But this afternoon, I, I'll, I'll kick myself a little bit when I walked outside an hour and a half ago. That kind of win this evening. That's a fun. That's a fun evening to hunt for me. You can get away with a lot of movement. What was it doing? It was just blowing. It was a good. It was a good consistent wind, um, and it didn't. It didn't. Didn't feel near as hot as it, it said on the thermometer. You you touched on a really good topic. That's a is was the fact I killed that deer the other day, and he came from downwind because that wind was that. Like you said, your deer wouldn't have walked that far with wind. You know, maybe the only time he comes, and that's something to pay attention to on your cameras, is he only comes to that field or that feeder or that acorn tree, whatever it is, when the wind is perfect for him. So if your sense right, you know, that's when the cards lined up. Yeah. I actually, the spot I picked, I told you I picked a tree. It's an old oil well site. I thought he wasn't coming from there. I thought he was actually, I moved the stand back one tree because I said, okay, he's going to walk right here 15 yards and feed over here. And every other deer did that. Him and one old doe was the only two deer that came from that direction. And I think it's because the wind was perfect yep. for him. And, um, and back, back, same thing with that deer I was just talking about. So when I saw him that afternoon, he was 295 yards. He walked across that food plot with the wind in his face. And that's the only day I saw him in four hunts. All the other three days... My scent was blowing to the blacktop road, and so maybe he was like, "Well, heck, I'm not coming out in that food plot. You know, I don't, I can't, I can't smell anything. You know, that's coming through there." Um, but anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to this front. I, I, you know, if not on that deer, I really feel like I'll I'll get I'll get a shot. I got some mature deer, some you know, nice solid eight mature eight year olds. I mean, excuse me, eight points <clears throat> that are just you know ready to die. Um, so looking forward to it, man. It's not fun to sweat and and a lock on. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun to be out there, period. But when you're just pouring sweat, God, it's just <laughs> swat mosquitoes and all. I mean, that's bow bow hunting in the south, I guess. But we've been blessed with some cold weather on opening day over the last four years, and it, it, this year it kind of yeah, uh, just rained this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just just hot. Well, um. Barrett, we're going, we're getting a little long on this thing, as we do with all our podcasts. We're going to get to land real quick. Um, this is going to be interesting coming from Barrett because Barrett is homegrown and hunts here more than by far more than anywhere else. Um, all right, Barrett, you go down and you cross the line in Norwood, and you and you buy or, or on sixty one, you cross the line, you buy a lottery ticket, and you get a hundred million dollars to you. Where are we buying land, and why? This is probably going to surprise you, maybe. Uh, well, first off, I'm buying a lot of real estate in southwest Mississippi, Wilkinson County. Uh, probably some stuff that connects to some stuff I've got. Actually, I'd probably try to buy a road, so to speak, to get get a quicker commute. Because of where I'm at, you know, I'm kind of half one, two, half dozen other from both different ways from the north or the south. So I'd like to have a, a straight, you know, straight shot. Uh, and then after I buy some places around here, man, I'm going to Texas. Uh, I love Texas. I turkey hunt over there. I've never deer hunted over there. But there's just so much stuff to shoot in Texas. I want, you know, 10, 15,000 acre low fence. 
with some good stock ponds on it. Uh, I mean, there's just you can shoot whatever you want in Texas. I just like the scenery. Uh, coming back in the evenings, you know, sitting around that just that that country with those live oaks and mesquite to me is just as fine as there is. I've never been to the Midwest, uh, so you know. I may I've tried to get him to come up there with me. This would have probably been a good year uh, to have gone to the Midwest. I was thinking about that the other day. Um, but I'm also, at the same time, it was kind of like that, that little stint I had where I, I thought I was going to be a duck hunter for a couple of years. If you've made it to 30 years and you hadn't done something and you know you've got an addictive personality, and you know, I'm almost scared to go to the Midwest. He 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 thought he was gonna go to the Midwest, and then golfing's been real good. You know, if it's hot too, if it's too hot to hunt, you can always golf. Yeah, I actually hadn't picked him up in a while. That's something I'll probably see. Give I up. think that you would love to come, like with Ryan and I have going, because all the stuff we wish we could do here, and it worked. It works so good up there. Yeah, and it's like it's like you having it. You feel like you're superior to those deer because you're like y'all are dumb compared to my yeah. deer. You know, like the weather's good, they're moving daylight, like like. The scrape trees, like I want to get off the podcast, I'll check my phone. Like the scrape trees, the deer, they walk up to them immediately. Um, I, we put box stands up on our place today. I have a good neighbor that helped me out. We had some box stands delivered, and he's putting some box stands up on some spots for us today. And, you know, me and you are thinking, box stands right now, middle of the season? <laughs> that big giant we call Banana Bob, we put the box stand on the ground, drove a T-post in the ground with a maul, and like six hours later, he was eating in front of that on the camera. Like they just in daylight. They yeah. don't. They're not like our deer. I think it'd be fun to sit 12, 14 feet off the ground and lock on. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Or a ladder stand. Like I remember the first time I went to Kansas and it was a sixteen foot ladder, zero cover, just on a big cottonwood. I said, "You're gonna put me there?" And I killed this deer <laughs> over my right shoulder. This one fifty four later in the week out of that same tree. Like I just couldn't. Like, I'm like, every doe that walks past here is going to blow at me, but that's not the case there. That's crazy. And it's just, it's cool to see big 200-pound does come down through there, and um, they respond to calling, uh, you know, the 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 rut. It's a little more ruddy, if you will. It's condensed. It, it, it's fun up there. I like the Midwest, but look, in Texas, it's fun. Yeah. It's a target-rich environment. It, it, it's, a, it's a lot of deer. Uh, you know, you're hunting them over corn, which I, I love shooting a deer over corn. Now, look, I mean, look, if you if you only like to shoot with a recurve and hunting only under persimmon tree in the National Forest, so be it. That ain't me. I'm busy with real estate. I like to watch my cell cameras, and I like to come in when he wants to die. And I put more less butt sits in the woods, which I wish I could, but I got kids and, and jobs and stuff like that. But, you know, I tell people all the time, I said, look, if you now go in and shoot a doe or just go and hunting, that's different. But if you see me or Barrett heading in the woods after a buck, I'm going to say there's a 60 to 70% chance we're going to see. Yeah, that's the number I was going to go with. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's, a, like, there's a reason. Like, it, it, it's either a predictive daylight movement or he's he's came in the last couple of days. Uh, it's. I couldn't tell. I mean, I know I know Barrett's had more of these circumstances than me, but I don't know that I've randomly killed. A, I killed two with a rifle that were the kind of randoms, but with a bow in Southwest Mississippi, I don't think I've had just a random. I went and crawled up somewhere and, and shot a buck. Uh, twenty sixteen, I shot a twelve point. It was a mainframe ten. Was which I'm hoping that's going to happen this year. 
uh, a bonus, you know, a bonus deer. But I had just exact as a matter of fact, it's in the spot that I that I've been hunting in. It was I had a couple of shooters in the area, and I got in there on a good cold front on like the twenty eighth of October, and he showed up. So, I mean, that, you got to be in the woods when the weather's right, and that's that's a prime example of of why. Yeah, I, I know. I remember exactly where I was. I was at a wedding, and Barrett, Barrett was texting me. Um, was that the same year as Footloose? No, because no, that was, was your first big year. It was the year before, and I had to make a judge. Not only was that a deer that just showed, I had to make a like I I I'm kind of the the one that pushes the management. He's program. the camp b hole, a hole, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And uh, so it was back to the you know everything that I tell the guys that hunt with me and my family. You know, just you'll you'll know you know if he's a shooter, you don't have to sit there and look at him and examine him. Like I had to run through all that myself. And when I got down there and saw the split brow tines on him, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and, you know, pulled his jaw. And, I mean, he was at least six. And so I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> but I'd never never seen a deer. And then my, uh, my my neighbor of the south sent me a picture of him. He said, man, I got fired up going through this, uh, through this booklet. And then I realized that this was the one you killed. Uh, but, yeah, so – so there's still a chance for random random shooters for sure and and you know that's it is it would it would be fun if you know if you just said I don't know what's coming to this spot and going to do it but I don't do it uh nothing nothing wrong with now that's one thing about the Midwest is you can get whatever look come November you just never know what's coming in fact that one that uh goofy rack deer that you were holding earlier uh zero pictures of that deer uh, and he walked up there, and when I shot him, I knew the neighbor, and the neighbor had a bunch of pictures of him, uh, five or six year old deer. But um, it's just you never know what's going to happen up there. Well, we're going to end this thing up, Barrett. If you had to have, all right, we're mid October. Let's go. One recommendation for anybody out there listening: um, if they hadn't had success thus far, what is what's your what's your one tip bit of advice for the rest of the season? I would say you know really uh, maybe. If you've blown a deer out of an area or something, maybe you've got a spot like I talked about a second ago that I hadn't even checked the camera. Some overlooked spots that you hadn't maybe thought about. Uh, you know, the way the, maybe that place on your property, you don't like where it is because of where it is on the map, but look at it in the big picture of things compared to the adjoining landowners. Maybe that's a destination spot from another, you know, a deer coming off of the neighbor or something like that. Just don't overlook anything. Uh, and, and, low pressured areas or something i mean you just you could go in there and you make your season out of something that it was in front of your nose the whole time yep it's a uh deer don't know property lines and deer start figuring you out really fast so um you know if i if i had if i had to have one recommendations for anybody especially in southwest Mississippi, watch your cameras man your cameras will tell you everything and and you know Cell, you think we think we used to know our deer with cameras, with cell cameras. We really know them because you're watching them so much closer. You're not looking to three thousand pictures at a time. You're looking to thirty and forty, and it, it makes a big difference. And I can't get my, I can't do the twice a day thing. Mine come through. That's and, he's impatient. Yeah, I mean, I'm, sometimes I get up three o'clock in the morning, sit there and watch the deer for thirty minutes, which is just ter- terrible. <laughs> but. Well, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to feed Barrett some fried chicken I've got uh, in here from uh, my little boy. got baptized today, and we had all the family over, so that's good. Well, good luck the rest of the season, Barrett, and good luck to everybody out there listening. I'm headed to Kansas um, 
Tuesday morning to film my dad. I did not draw a tag this year for the first time in 17 years in Kansas, which I'm very sad about. But I'm going to film my dad, which will be really cool, and, and maybe I uh, would never have gotten to experience this if I didn't, so that's cool. And then I'm going to make him film me at our place in Missouri when we leave there. So hopefully we'll have some good luck. We're out here. Barrett, thank you for being on here. Absolutely, man. Hey, thank you for listening to the Hunting Land Man podcast. If you will, take a moment, give us a five-star written review, guys. This really helps us out. And if you know anybody you think will be interested in this podcast, please share it with them. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.